My name is Roger Pate. I'm the lead pastor here. And what that means is we believe that all of our leaders are simply servants. That's what we believe we're called to do. We, we want to be a church that um, has an upside-down pyramid. Have you ever seen a pyramid and they talk about, you know, the leaders are at the top and the followers at the bottom? We want to reverse that, and we believe that every pastor and team leader is down here at the bottom helping everyone else become all that God's called them to be. Now, listen, are we perfect at that? Absolutely not. Shalian, good to see you guys. Tyler and Shalian, good to see you guys. Um, sorry about that ADD moment there. You know, are, are we perfect at that? Absolutely not. In fact, if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it, all right? We were messed up from day one, but we do love Jesus. And um, anyway, we're glad to have you here. Someone say yes to that. We are continuing our series on Breaking Free. And I want to talk to you about diffusing your anger. Let me give you a disclaimer here. I had to practice this message all week long. I really did. So let's jump into it right now. Do you realize that, some fun facts for you here, that the average man loses his temper six times a week. Now some of you men are above average, so you lose it 12 times a week. The average woman loses her temper three times a week. Typically, women become more angry at people, while men become more angry at things. Flat tires, computers, machines, cell phones, dual razors, etc., etc., to all my single adults who are looking for a girlfriend or a boyfriend, single adults typically express their anger twice as often as married adults. Somehow I'm not buying that one, but that's, that's the stat anyway. Men are more physical with their anger than women typically. It's at home that most of us express our anger, and believe it or not, I believe it, we're most frequently frequent and intense with our anger towards those we love and not towards strangers. Side thought for just a moment. Back when telephones had cords on them, my mother, who had three boys, and all of us were as about as shy as I am, we were wild. And as soon as that phone rang, we lost our brains. We were going crazy, and so mom is yelling and screaming at us, and when the phone rang, mom would answer that phone, hello, <laughs> so happy. But anyway, we lose our anger with the ones we love the most. Anger is a normal human reaction. Jesus got angry. In fact, our Father God got angry in the Old Testament 375 times God got angry. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 26, it's not in your notes, it says, in your anger, just don't sin. So anger is a human emotion. Anger is a healthy emotion sometimes if we do it right. There's a right way to handle our anger, and there is a wrong way to handle our anger. There is a helpful way to handle our anger, and there's a harmful way to handle our anger. The message today is not how to get rid of your anger. That's not the message. 
The message is, how can I express my anger in non-destructive ways? That's the message today. How do I diffuse my anger? How do I express it in non-destructive ways? Now, if you have your notes, pull them out with me. Let's jump into it. There's four ways that people commonly express their anger. And so you learn these behaviors from your parents. You may have learned them from your television. You may have learned them from your peers. You may have learned them from your spouse. Uh, But I give them four titles just to kind of help you wrap your mind around it, because I want you to kind of identify how do you unhealthily express your anger. Number one, it's the maniac. Now, please, no nudging the spouse, okay? It's the maniac. What does the maniac do? Well, he explodes. He is a ticking time bomb. He throws things. He cusses. He yells. He stomps up and down. And he throws a temper fit. And I'm laughing because I did this a few weeks ago at the oceanfront with my wife and in-laws, actually. That's why I am laughing at this moment. But the maniac just loses it. And if we look at a Bible uh, person, in fact, let me go go to the end of that for a moment. Uh, The maniac, after he loses his temper, actually immediately, typically regrets it because he's embarrassed by what he did. Let me give you an example from the Bible. Cain in the Bible, Genesis chapter 4 and verse 5 says, Cain became furious and he scouted anger. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So the maniac explodes. Number two is the mute. The mute. Another unhealthy way to express our anger. The mute. This is the silent type. He gets mad, he clams up, he sucks on his tongue, and instead of blowing up, he clams up. He doesn't reveal his feelings, and she doesn't, she doesn't reveal her feelings. He or she denies that they're mad. They pretend they're not mad. A lot of church people do this. Pretend they're not mad. They won't admit they're angry. Are you upset? No, I'm not upset. Why would I be upset? And they conceal how they feel. While the maniac is a time bomb, the mute is a crock pot. And they just simmer. When the maniac is a microwave oven, kaboom, it's done. The mute simmers and stews, keeping score, suppressing the feelings, swallowing the anger in their stomach, planning on the time. To get back. Now, there was one physician who listed 51 types of illnesses that can be caused by bottled up anger. Wow. 51 by swallowing it and keeping it in. Let's give an example. Jeremiah chapter 15 says, I stayed, I stayed by myself, and I was filled with anger. Why do I keep on suffering? Why does everything bad happen to me? Why are my wounds incurable? Why won't they heal? And so the person that's a mute burns up with anger. Very closely related is the number three unhealthy way to deal with anger. So are you the maniac, typically? Are you the mute? Or are you... The martyr. 
Now, it kind of sounds like Jeremiah there, his verse would have applied just as well here. These folks love pity parties, they love organizing them, they love throwing them, and they love attending their own pity party. They're self-punishing, they're passive, much like the mute, but they always think it must be my fault, what's wrong with me, I should, I must, I have, I ought to, and the number one sign of a martyr that has anger is depression. Do you realize I am not a clinical, uh, clinical psychologist? I've taken enough counseling courses to mess you up. If you come to me for counseling, I'm going to do it in one session. Here's going to be my counseling for you. Stop it. That's it. That's all I know. So listen, that's why we refer you to great counselors. You can find those on the website as well. But listen, depression, I do know this. Depression is internalized anger a lot of the times. Depression is anger at yourself that you push in. And many times, anger... Now, there's other causes of depression. I know sometimes it's a chemical imbalance. Listen carefully. I get that. But sometimes, anger causes depression. And the problem with the martyr is oftentimes... Through their anger, they make everyone else miserable. Luke 15 and 28 says that the elder brother in Jesus' story was so angry he would not go in the party, so his father went out and pleaded with him. He was a martyr. He said, Dad, you never gave me a party, and yet my loser brother comes home, and you have a great party with him. Number four, the unhealthy way to deal with anger is the manipulator. So we have the maniac. We have the mute, we have the martyr, and then we have the manipulator. This person is figuring out a way to get you back. They may simmer, you may not know they're mad, but when they retaliate, they're going to retaliate in an underhanded way. It may be on Facebook, it may be in a text. Who knows, it may be out in the open, but they begin to try to draw you in by manipulating. And here's what happens. Some of their greatest tools are sarcasm, indirect contact, burning your toast on purpose, forgetting things you told them on purpose, teasing you hurtfully. Now, I love to tease, and I love to be teased, and I come from a family of teasers. If we like you, we are going to rib you. And if you watch the setup team out here, they rib each other mercilessly. However, there does come a point in time that someone can tease, and through manipulation, when you get upset, say, ah, it was just a joke. In fact, Proverbs warns about that person in the Bible. There's a guy that does all kinds of harm and says, oh, I was just joking. Were you? Were you really? And sometimes it can be a good, easy, fun, like the setup team does, and it's healthy and it's fun, but the manipulator will tease you and draw you out, and when you respond, I was just joking, and make you the fool. You see how slippery it is? Those are four unhealthy ways to deal with anger. Luke 6 and 11 says of the scribes and the Pharisees about Jesus, but they were furious 
and begin to plot with each other what they might do to Jesus. So the manipulator is going to lay a trap and say, I'm going to draw you in and I'm going to hurt you through my anger. Everyone gets angry and everyone expresses it in different ways. Those are only four ways that I just want to throw out. There may be others, but those are four. So let's talk about how can I diffuse my anger. Let's jump in the prescription right here. Number one, I must understand why I get angry. Proverbs 19 and 11 says this, a man's wisdom gives him patience. So we understand why we act the way we do or respond the way we do or why we blow up or why we simmer or why we manipulate or why we connive or why we boil or why we take it on as a martyr. If we understand why we do that, it'll help us in diffusing it. Listen, anger typically is not the problem. Anger is a secondary issue, typically. It's a red light on your car. When that red light comes on your car and it says, go to the mechanic, the red light's not the problem. To take out the bulb isn't the problem. It's what's behind the scenes that causes that red light to flash that's a problem. Just like when that yellow light comes on and says you're out of gas. The fix is not to take the yellow bulb out. It's to drive to the gas station and put gas in your tank. And oftentimes we try to fix the, 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 the symptom and we fail to realize what's causing the red light to flash. So again, anger is a warning light. It's not your real plot problem. It's telling you something deeper is happening. Something else is out of order. Something else is wrong. So what causes anger? First of all, hurt. If you are hurt, your reaction to that oftentimes is to become angry. Gentlemen, let me give you an example. You have that contractor's grade hammer and you have that nail and you're hammering and you're talking and you miss and you hit your thumb. What's your response? It's a Christian cuss word, of course. And you get angry. Why? Because you hit your thumb and the pain and the hurt says, ouch, and you are immediately angry. Everyone ever had that happen to you before? And so, how do I deal with the hurt? So it's not about the anger there, it's the hurt. And then the second cause of anger, and this is a lot of our, us guys' problem, is frustration. When nothing seems to work. Have you ever had that laptop and you have this important project and all of a sudden your internet becomes spotty because all of the neighborhood teens are playing on their internet games and you're trying to get it done and you can't get it done and it slows down and then you try to save it and your Word document shuts down and then I mean, you just find yourself so frustrated. Have you ever been driving down 264 and it's perfect day, everything's wonderful, but then people drive like they drive here in Hampton? and roads, it's frustrating and you just feel your blood boiling. Have you ever been in Walmart and you have nine items in the ten items or less line?
line. And the lady in front of you who's from Pasadena, California, she is sweet. She is someone's grandma, but she has 32 items, and you know it because you counted it. Frustrate. Can you see what causes my anger? It's frustration. And so frustration can cause anger. Spilled milk, spilled food, bad drivers. But if we can stop and say it's not the end of the world, that can help us diffuse the anger. What causes your anger? Hurt? Fear? Why do you, or, 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 or hurt or, or frustration? And the third cause is insecurity slash fear. Write those both down. Insecurity slash fear. It's not in your, up here on the screen, but hang with me here. So fear causes it. If you've ever seen an animal that you back into a corner, my mother's dad, my grandfather was almost killed by a deer, a cute little Bambi deer, attacked him and stomped him and kicked him and almost ended his life in his 40s. It was a deer. I wish I could say it was almost a lion that almost killed my grandfather. It was Bambi that almost killed my grandfather. Yes, we come from a long line of wimps in my family as well. All jokes aside, what happened was the deer was put in a corner. And grandfather was trying to help the deer because he worked for the city. He was trying to help the deer, but the deer became scared. And what happens when you become scared? You take an animal, whether it be a dog, whether it be a cat, whether it be a bear, whether it be a lioness, whether it be Bambi. You put that thing in the corner and you make it afraid and scared. It's going to do one or two things. It's going to flight or it's going to fight. And if it's cornered in, it's going to fight. You bully that nerd and you get him in a corner, that nerd is going to clear your deck. Amen. And so... When an animal gets into a corner, eventually they're going to attack back. And so I am not saying that you are an animal. I am saying we can, we can draw a correlation and a metaphor that when you feel insecure, when you feel attacked, when you feel powerless, when you feel hopeless, there comes a point of time that anger comes to the surface. Look back, some of you guys, back to the 1960s, how beautiful Martin Luther King Jr. was when he was doing civil rights and was saying, don't fight back. Think about that for a moment. How, how much discipline that took when they're having dogs put on them and they're being sprayed with water to not fight back. What kind of discipline was that? Being afraid and scared. Wow, most of us, when we are backed into a corner and we feel powerless and hopeless, we are going to fight back. So fear can be caused by, or anger can be caused by fear, frustration, or also hurt. So why do I get angry? Look at your life. Why are you angry? Number two, we got to look to God and not others for my self-worth. 
Ecclesiastes 7 and 21 says, don't pay attention to everything people say. If you take nothing out of this today, take this out of it. People are going to talk about you. They are. But then they're going to get bored. Because people like talking about themselves more than they like talking about other people. So they're going to talk about you for about 30 seconds, and then they're going to get bored, and they're going to turn the conversation back to themselves. And the only way to get people not to talk about you is to try nothing, say nothing, do nothing, attempt nothing, or stop breathing. And when you stop breathing, they praise you like you are Mother Teresa. But while you try something, say something, attempt something, do something, someone's not going to like it. And if you realize that, you're going to realize you're going to stop paying attention to everything people say. Ask yourself the question, is what I'm doing honoring God? Is God pleased with it? And I'm not saying put yourself in some self-righteous position because sometimes we need people to come alongside of us and say, no, your thinking's not right here. But if we can kind of use that as a, as a grid to say, is this pleasing God? Is this God honoring Am I doing it for God? And check the motives. And the reality is sometimes we don't know our motives. Sometimes our motives get off and it takes a counselor friend in our lives who love us enough to tell us the truth to say, hey, you're off here. And so if there are people you love and you trust and they tell you something, you probably want to listen to what's going on. If your spouse brings something to your attention, you may want to digest it for a little while and look at it and see if there's any truth in it. But I'm talking about you extra sensitive types that no matter what someone says, you take it in and you digest it and you internalize it and you become paralyzed by it. We don't get our identity from what others say about it. At least we shouldn't. We should get our identity from what God said about it. And I love what Pastor Tony was saying up here today when he was talking about our label, our identity. What does God say about you? He says you're loved. He says you're chosen. He calls you his daughter. He calls you his son. He calls you his prince, his princess. He calls you beloved. He calls you all of these names. And we need to get that going in our minds. He loves us. And so, Proverbs 14 and 26 reads it this way. Reverence for God gives confidence and security to man. When I start looking at God and saying, God, I want to live this one life for one God. I want to live this one life for you. And when I look at him and say, if I have your validation... It doesn't matter what anyone else says. I have your validation. When I look and I live my life according to the principles of his scripture, and all the world says you're crazy, you look at it and you say, God, you've called me. There's been times Laura and I have made business decisions that by the world's perception look weird. But biblically, we could see it, and God eventually in the end blessed it. But at the time, it was a long road sometimes. 
Do we, do we honor God? Do, do we reverence Him? Do we fear Him? In other words, do we respect Him in this awe to say, you are other than me. You are not me. You are above me. You are larger than I am. You are God. You are the creator. You are powerful. And I'm in awe of that. And I'm amazed by that. And I am in a reverent state. You're God. And then realizing that this other being, other than me, that's not me, loves me. And loves me so much, he knows every freckle on my body, every hair on your head. He knows every seven smiles that you smile, from the one when you're embarrassed to the one that you're happy. He knows everything about you. He knows how you are and what you're like. And he knows the good side, the bad side, and everything in between. And he says, even though I know you and I'm familiar with you, I love you. And to now be reverent of a God who is so powerful and so mighty, and yet he is so mindful of me, and he loves me. Wow. I grew up in churches, and some of them were very legalistic. But yet, even in those legalistic churches I grew up in, I remember a song they taught me, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. And what profound theology that is that in my mind, I truly believe he does love me. I'm not suspicious of him. I don't think he's out to get me. He's not out to do me in, but he loves me. And sometimes in life, you may have to make a decision, and you know it's the right decision, and you're the only one that, that, that is going to take that stand, and based upon Scripture, and based upon counsel, and based upon circumstances, everything, it comes in the line, you make the decision, and people aren't going to be happy. It's fine. What does God say about it? What does God say? Now, that's a little bit off topic there, but I think it was for someone. I think you got it. Number three, let's move on. How do I deal with anger? I've got to stop and think before reacting. Listen carefully. You're not Pavlov's dog. Just because the bell rings doesn't mean you've got to salivate and go eat. Just because you hear the ding on your phone doesn't mean you have to answer the text. Just because you hear the bing on your phone doesn't mean you have to answer Facebook Messenger. Are you with me? Just because someone hits you doesn't mean you have to immediately hit them back. Just because someone calls you a name doesn't mean you have to call them a name back. We have as humans created by God, as being image bearers of God. What does that mean? You were made in the image of God. What makes you different from an animal? You were made in the image of God and nothing else was. You display His image. You are the exact replica of who He is in the earth. And when you walk on the earth, you represent the Creator. And that's a whole different sermon we'll come back to someday. And because He made you, He made you with responsibility. The ability to choose my response. I don't have to react in animalistic behavior. 
I can choose to be angry. I can choose to love. I can choose to forgive. I can choose to move on. I can choose not to respond. My dad taught me in Kansas blue-collar society, if someone hits you, you hit them back harder. Jesus taught us something totally different. He said, when someone hits you, turn the other cheek. Is that easy? Absolutely not. I've struggled with it all this week. Are, are, you, are you with me? Are you hearing me? We've got to stop. Proverbs 13 and 7, 13 and 16 says, Sensible people always think before they act. Don't send the email when you're simmering. Don't quit the job while you're mad at the boss. You may love him tomorrow. Wait. And when you calm down and you, and you come back to your senses, you may think, you know what, it's okay. Don't walk out on the spouse because you had a fight on Friday night. Wait before you tweet it. Text it. Email it. Wait before you leave the voicemail on the voicemail machine because once it's on the voicemail, it's there forever. You are quiet or I'm loud. Wait. Wait. Re don't react. Respond. Wait. Wait. Stop. Hit the pause button. Time out. Think, think, think. Proverbs 16 and 23 it says it this way. Intelligent people think before they speak. One man said, if you're angry, count to ten. If you're very angry, count to one hundred. The point is, stop and wait and ask yourself the questions why am i angry is it my ego is it my pride am i feeling afraid am i feeling scared am i hurt i mean what's going to happen when you take that phone and you're mad because it's messing it up and you throw it into the brackish water what good did that just do but create more time for you at AT&T store. <laughs> ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? And then ask, what do, I, what do I really want out of the encounter? In relationships, typically, we, we want restoration, typically. Ask yourself those questions. And here's what happens oftentimes. When I talk about this, you'll say, Pastor, I just can't help it. I'm Irish, and that's my disposition. My grandma was an exploder. My daddy was an exploder. My brothers explode, and so I explode, and that's just who I am, and I can't help it. And this is pie in the sky. Are you telling me when I'm angry, I got to stop when I hit my hand with the thumb, and before blurting out what comes to mind, I should wait and count? Who lives that way? Go back to the illustration I began with. How many times have you been mad 
and you have raised your voice and your heartbeat is beating and you're upset and that phone rings and just like that, hi, how you doing? No one else has ever done that but my mother and myself. I don't believe you. The point is you were able to change. You were able to slip out of it for a moment. Why was it? Because you have the ability to control your emotions. You can stop it. And listen, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, filled with his spirit, not only are you acting out in just a fleshly stance, you now have his spirit and Jesus Christ working in your life to help you. Amen. Proverbs 29 and 11 says, A wise man holds his temper and he cools it. I love the Living Bible, how it puts that. Number four, let's rush on here. Take personal responsibility for your anger. I think we've hammered that. You got the point, right? Take personal responsibility for your anger. We've covered that. Let's move on to number five. Learn to relax. Proverbs 14.30 says, A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. Temper and tension always go together. Learn to relax. The Bible says that he makes us lie down in green pastures. It was God who gave Israel vacation idea. Remember, he gave them a Sabbath. He gave them time to relax. And number six, continually ask God for help. Galatians 5 and 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and patience. Here's what happens, Christian. When you are not following after God and you are not a Christ follower, you are not a believer, you pray to prayer and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. And I think that's amazing. But here is what has happened to many of us. We trust Jesus Christ with our salvation to save us from sin and to help us in the next age to come to live with God in his new kingdom heaven. And we, we, we trust him in that, but yet the rest of life we try to take out of his hand and say everything else is secular. You handle the spiritual part and I will handle the secular part. You handle the holy part, I'll handle the rest of the life. And here is the reality. You and I will never outgrow God. You and I will never outgrow the Father. In fact, God wants us completely to always be dependent upon Him. And that's why we bring everything to Him in prayer. I was so blessed this last week when a prayer card came in asking for prayer from a little girl that lost a piece of jewelry or something and was asking God to help her find it for her uncle. It touched my heart because I thought, that's the heart of God. When a child comes and says, pray for something so small, and what do you and I do? We live this life saying, God, you handle the big things like cancer. God, you handle the big things like when the, the market is down and I don't handle a job, but I will handle everything else. 
And here's the reality. We always need a Savior. We never outgrow the Savior. We are completely dependent upon Him. And the reality is God wants us dependent upon Him. He wants us to say help and bring it to Him. And some of the best prayers I've ever prayed have been in those moments where the words wouldn't come and I simply said, help Jesus. My car slides across the lane into an oncoming semi between Wichita and Hutchinson, Kansas after preaching a revival. And I come across the lane and I think I'm going to be dead. And all I can say is, help me, Jesus. Actually, in that case, all I said was, Jesus Christ. Well, you just took his name in vain. No, it was a prayer. I know him. He's my Savior. And my car came right back over, and I pulled over and said, thank you, Jesus. Help. Ask him for help. The Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, Ephesians 5, 18, but be filled with the Spirit. Why does he say, don't be drunk with wine, Ephesians 5, 18, it's not in the notes. Why does he say, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit? Because to be drunk with wine means you're out of control. He said, don't be out of control. Don't drink to excess to where you are out of control. Pastor, what's your view at Exalt Church on wine and beer? Don't get drunk. But be filled with the Spirit. And what does he mean by that? He says, be controlled by my Spirit. Be led by my Spirit. But more than that... He says, be filled with great joy in God. And the joy of God is your strength. Be filled with His joy. The problem with some of us is we'll take a verse in the Scripture and we'll apply that phrase to every single thing and think it always means this one thing. Here it means be filled with His joy. Be filled with a joy in God to where you celebrate God's goodness in your life. Be filled with His joy. Don't look to wine to feel your joy, but be filled with the joy from His Spirit. Amen. Don't be out of control in excess. In your anger, don't be out of control. Just like wine, don't be out of control. But be filled with your spirit. And when you're filled with him, there's love, joy, peace. Galatians 5.22. And patience. Patience. Last thing I will say. Patience is not waiting. People say patient, you know, patience just means you wait. Patience isn't waiting. Patience is the attitude we demonstrate why, while we wait. I have been in traffic and I had to wait, but I wasn't patient. I have been in Walmart lines and I had to wait and I wasn't patient. I've been at the DMV, now I'm talking to you, and I've had to wait. I know, now we got you right there. And I wasn't patient. Patience is how. You wait. It's that demonstrating that, you know what, I'm going to stand here in a sense of joy and peace even while I'm forced to wait. Amen. Stand with me, if you will, 
as the band gets ready to come, let's pray. Did you guys get something today out of this? If you're angry at me, say amen. amen. Someone said amen. Lord, I'm so glad that I take my confidence in you. Amen. Let's pray as the band comes freely. Lord, I pray that you help every one of us understand why we get angry, and I pray that you would replace our hurt with your love. And I pray, Lord, today that you would even bring your love and forgiveness into our lives today. I pray that you would replace our frustration with your peace today. And I pray that you replace our insecurity with your power. May we live for you and do what you want us to do, not in a self-righteous or arrogant way, but Lord, we don't need the approval of other people to feel good about ourselves. We want to live for the audience of one. We want to live for you. Lord, help us to look to you and not our stuff, our things, our titles, and other people for our self-worth. Lord, help us to think and not just react. And Lord, for our type A personalities, I pray that you would teach us how to learn to relax. God, this week we don't live in our own power, but we ask for your help. So help us. We need your spirit. We need your love. We need your joy. We need you in our lives this week. Fill us again with you. And Lord, would you live through us this week? We ask these things in Jesus' name. We lift our lives and we open up our hearts to you. Amen.